I kind of had a choice at that point, not just being patient with the process, but being grateful with the process. And I'm like, mm, man, I went to my dad straight after the game. I'm like, yo, like this shit can't happen anymore, man. I always find the, always try to take the good out of any negative situation. You know, I have players coming in, Xavier, and they'd be like, um, you know, I played so bad. You know, sometimes I'd, I'd be like, hey, bro, hey, I don't know, we, we can't do nothing about that. I can tell you what we can do, we can get some work in right now. Like, if you're not doing plyometrics, you're losing out on a lot of potential for performance. Um, my dad had these tapes of the Laker games. Got to a point where I, I said, you know, I want to play basketball. And I just always wanted to make sure I had the edge over people. It became a part of me, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to get to be better than me. Welcome back to another episode of the Basketball and Barbells podcast. Uh, today, we actually have a very special guest because he is the head strength and conditioning coach uh, for my own home team, the Orlando Magic. Today, we have Todor Pandov. Uh, prior to working at uh, the Orlando Magic, he actually worked as a performance director for the 76ers for the last six years and has had previous stops at Tulsa, Missouri, Western Kentucky and University of Miami directing basketball performance at each stop. Um, Todor, I appreciate you for just hopping on, man. I know uh, it was a quick turnaround. And um, yeah, I just appreciate, you know, the background you had. So I'm excited to have you on, man. Thank you for joining. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for having me. This this is going to be fun and, and very exciting for me to, to have a conversation with you and share some things. So thanks for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first first stop for me, one, anytime somebody is working in basketball and they've got just that deep background, just working in hoops, you know, I always like talking about the journey just for people that don't know who you are, um, but also just kind of interested in kind of what led you to working in basketball because it is niche. Um, so kind of let, let's let's dive a little bit more into you know your journey and how you kind of got into the field of performance and uh, maybe kind of what pushed you to work specifically more so in the basketball arena. Oh, sure. Uh, well, if I got to start uh, with my performance uh, in my uh, background, I got to go way, way back uh, when I was a kid. Um, I basically grew up in a very, very athletic family. And, and um, my dad was, uh, he was an Olympic boxer. And so when I was growing up, he had a boxing gym and uh, every day after school, um, I would go to the gym and just basically help out with whatever, whatever he needed help with. And um, so um, from a very, very early childhood, I started just always being around athletes and seeing athletes getting trained and, and trained really, really hard. And, and, and that was my basically, um, that's the way I grew up. You know, everything was around performance and training and that's all I knew um and then sometime in the early 90s um I started watching basketball it was a part of uh um uh, you know uh, I grew up in Bulgaria so it was a part of a uh, uh David Stern's idea to kind of globalize the sport of basketball uh, in the NBA so he started sending um, NBA tapes all over the world 
And one place that uh, he sent tapes to was Bulgaria. So we started, they started showing uh, NBA tapes on, uh, on TV in Bulgaria. And I just basically got glued to it. I fell in love with the game of basketball. Um, I fell in love with uh, the Chicago Bulls and, and Michael Jordan. Um, I loved watching them play. And, uh, and I started playing myself. And so... I first started with this, uh, just the general knowledge of just training, being around boxers and how they train. And then I fell in love with the game of basketball and, and uh, it, it kind of spun me around. I, I went to a, a sports uh, school, sports academy, um, where I, I basically trained, you know, all day. It was basically kind of like a, uh, college schedule where you go and you practice in the morning and then you have your study hall and then you have classes and then you eat lunch and then you practice again and you have some more classes and it's like a whole day affair. Um, and I did that for two years and, and, and then I left home when I was, uh, you know, 14 years old, I went to another city to play hoops. And then at the age of 16, I came to the United States and I went to a prep school here. And so um, how I got into training basketball, um, it started early, early on and, um, with my general knowledge of just, you know, performance and then it spun around basketball. And, uh, one big piece that I probably missed, uh, was that when I was at the sports Academy in Bulgaria, uh, there was always like three times a week, there was a, uh, a a strength training class that was led by the Bulgarian weightlifting coaches, which was really, really good for me because uh, I just basically learned the basics of strength and conditioning there, the basics of weightlifting. Um, and the Bulgarian weightlifters are one of some of the best in the world. So I got an exposure, a really good dose of uh, just knowledge there at an early age. Um, and then I went to a prep school here in, in Tennessee. Uh, my first stop in America was a, a, a prep school in Tennessee called Washington College Academy. Um, and after Washington College, I went to Western Kentucky University and uh, um, I played basketball there until uh, one year I, uh, we were playing uh, Arizona at Arizona. Um, we were ranked number 17 in the country and they were ranked number one. Um, and we thought we were going to go over there and beat them. And, and before you know it, it was one of those games where before you know it, it like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like 17 to four. And then it was like 32 to seven. And they were just basically whooping us. Yeah. Then I, uh, I had the unfortunate accident of tearing my knee up. I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus. Um, and um, I was driving to the hoop and I came into a jump stop and I tore my knee up. And um, all along, I knew that I was, uh, I was a very explosive player. I was very athletic. And I also knew that uh, I, was, I was, even though I was very strong and very athletic, uh, there was some, some, in some positions I wasn't very good at, I wasn't very strong at. And so I was always interested in, 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 you know, how to better myself and what to do. But once I got hurt was my calling that, uh, you know, Hey, I got to learn about 
mm-hmm. just biomechanics and more, more specifically basketball biomechanics and, and, and how people move and how the body is designed and, and how we're designed to move. And, and all that stuff was really interesting to me. Uh, I had a great base in strength and conditioning and Olympic lifting and, and, and just mm-hmm. weightlifting period, but I just didn't know some of the things that I wasn't very good at. And so that kind of, led me to really like start researching and learning about uh, just human movement. And, and I want to make sure I got better, but most importantly, I want to make sure that I, uh, you know, I start learning so I can help other people. Mm-hmm. So maybe a long winded answer, but that's how I got into <laughs> for basketball. <laughs> no, I love it, man. It's, um, you know, like whenever I see, like I said, when I, whenever I see somebody that has like extensive experience just working with basketball, you know, it wasn't, you know, along the way, typically, like, we'll have, like, other sports kind of mixed in, but typically, when you work with basketball, most of the time, like, you play basketball, and that's why I asked, and, like, you kind of talked about it, just, like, your journey. I mean, like you said, you were at a young age, you know, basically, essentially, like, prepping to become almost a pro, right, like, or at least, like, the college, like, a, a higher-level college player, because you're kind of getting that exposure where you're training, you, you have a regimented schedule, which, unless you go to a prep school here, you know, you're not really getting that. And then you ended up at a prep school here um, and then playing for, for Western Kentucky. But no, that's to me, like that's, I love that kind of, uh, I guess, background. Um, My background, like same thing. I kind of talked to you about off air. Like once I had my injury, I'm like, you know, I was a basketball player. I was a hooper. So now I'm like looking at the game through a different lens. Same thing. Like you said, like, okay, like I know how to play, but that doesn't necessarily mean I know how to train, right? And if I can't, at the time, like if I can't fix myself, then I, I knew for a fact that there's no way I'd be helping anyone else. Um, but kind of talking about that, I kind of want to ask a, a quick little question. So, you know, you kind of talked about just kind of like having that, the, the basics and kind of like that exposure to the, uh, you know, Bulgarian weightlifters. Um, when you came over and you were kind of studying that, that, uh, you know, sports performance, you know, basketball biomechanics, do you feel like that, that foundation of that weightlifting helped kind of spark that interest? Because I know typically for me, at least like over here, like basketball players, like they like getting on the court, they don't like getting in the weight room. And that was kind of my thing. Actually, funny enough, I didn't really want to get in the weight room until I got hurt. So do you feel like maybe it was the, you know, that exposure to the, that weightlifting culture that, got you uh, kind of sparked an interest in, in basketball performance or do you feel like just playing the game you kind of innately kind of started you know creating that interest yeah no you know growing up the way I grew up uh, was just you know my evolution in strength and conditioning as you see mm-hmm. was very different than yeah than most of the strength coaches I came from a, a, a basketball background but even mm-hmm. before basketball like I was always around training and then I was always around uh, boxers and boxers are really different individuals. I mean, they're really unique in their mindset, you know, it's, uh, uh, and my dad was a boxer and all of his friends were boxers. And so uh, I had this, this, this uh, amazing opportunity every single day to go to my dad's gym and basically see people train, but train really, really hard. Uh, uh, I mean, box boxers, they really get after it. And, and, um, I was always around that, um, 
uh, a mindset of just somebody training really, really, really hard. And so to me, it wasn't new. Like to me, yeah. um, strength training was always a part of um, becoming better. It was always a part of player development. And so, uh, which kind of led into what I, you know, I kind of married my two professional loves, you know, performance and basketball. Uh, I kind of married them into one job. Um, mm -hmm. Even when I was at the college level, uh, I always looked at strength training as a part of, it's a part of development. It's a player development, right? And so I know sometimes, even when I was at the college level, when I was working at the college level, you know, they like to separate everything in terms of like, well, this is considered strength training. You can only do it this amount of times during the week. And this is basketball. You can only do it this amount of times during the week. But it really, it, it's not like that. Like you, you train in the weight room to become a better basketball player. And so, um, it, 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 it inadvertently becomes a player development, you know, mm -hmm. um, you have to, you have to train in the weight room to become a better basketball player. And so I always looked at it that way myself. I never looked at it um, any other way. It was just a, 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 a little thing that I, if I could get better, if I could get stronger somehow, I could become a, um, a, a better basketball player. And I'm one of those guys where like, I wasn't always the most talented guy. Mm -hmm. um, I was only good because I worked really, really hard and I was out working people. And so I knew that, you know, I, I went, even when I went to high school, um, I played against some guys that, you know, didn't train much or didn't need to train much, but they were very talented, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. my only way to compete with them. I was, I was very athletic myself, but the only reason I was athletic was because I worked my butt off. Um, and that was my mentality, my, my whole childhood, my whole, you know, uh, uh, approach was always, has always been, you know, about work and, uh, mm -hmm. but no, that's, that's how I grew up and that's yeah. how I viewed it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like you said, like, at least, um, I think more so here, it's changing now, you know, like the culture is changing where you know, performance is kind of more so it's always to me, it's always a necessity. But, you know, now I think the general public is now a little bit more accepting and coaches are starting to understand, you know, how to actually implement it a lot more and a lot more effectively. Um, because there are still some of those, uh, you know, old school kind of myths. Hey, if they lift weights, it's going to throw off their shot blah 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 oh, yeah. it's like come on man like we you know if, if he was throwing up bricks before we lifted weights he's gonna throw them up after like it's not because <laughs> of the weight <laughs> lift. Uh, he's, he's just not a good no. <laughs> oh no as a matter of fact as a matter of fact as a player when i was a player i was always better and i was always shooting the ball better after i lifted weights because he kind of turned on my musculature and i was able to be you know, a little bit stronger, a little bit more on. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I've heard all that stuff, but I don't believe it. Gotcha, man. Uh, let's fast forward a little bit when you, um, you know, you, you began to, to actually intern. Uh, so you actually had your first internship, I, I believe it was at, uh, at Texas, uh, University of Texas at Austin. So, yeah, I think during that time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Todd, was Todd there when you were there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Todd, I mean, Todd is, is yeah. we both know he's, he's, he's pretty much the GOAT. Um, and uh, it's funny enough, like, you know, 
when I had conversations with Cliff, shout out to Cliff Spiller, but, you know, he talked to me about Todd and, you know, I had watched videos of him before, um, but as I kind of got more into the training world, like his name just kept coming up and I was like, I got to meet the Godfather. But, um, but, you know, essentially kind of like that experience, that exposure, like, I think in my opinion, Todd's one of the best. And so like, for me, I, I would love to kind of talk a little bit about your experience while you're interning as much as you possibly can share, obviously, you know, at the University of Texas. Yeah. You know, like when you showed up and like you had this, I guess, you know, maybe this idea of, of lifting, you know, over over here, at least like we're pretty much Olympic based for the most part. Um, so kind of maybe talk, touch on, you know, when you got to, to Texas, maybe what were some of the things that Todd was doing that maybe, you know, surprised you or, you know, maybe kind of opened your eyes to and, um, you know, for those two years, you know, what that development process looked like. Oh, yeah, for sure. This this was an amazing time of my life um, because, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So even prior to going to Texas, um, I would I had just gotten out of college and I uh, wanted to play professionally, you know, coming back off of my um, uh, injury, my knee injury. Um, I was I was able to play in Europe. I went back to uh, Holland and I played for a team called called the Eiffel Towers in Holland, and and I had an amazing experience, um, just living in 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 a place like Holland and 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 um, having some friends come over from college, and it was just an amazing experience. But um, in terms of basketball, I was in a really weird space where. You know, prior to my injury, I always envisioned myself playing uh, professionally for a long time, whether it be here or overseas. Um, and after the injury, it's just it wasn't um, it wasn't the same. Like um, uh, I went overseas and I, I played there, but um, I wasn't as good in a way that um, I could see myself usually in certain situations where I usually would say, hey, I can get there. And mentally, I was there, but I physically, I couldn't get there. So that was very frustrating for me. And my knee was really giving me a lot of problems where I would have to, like, basically kind of ice all day long uh, between practices just so I can go to practice and, and keep my knee from swelling. And, and so um, I knew that at the time, which I was 25 at the time, I knew that I could probably play uh, for another five or six years, but it was going to be in this place where like, I was never as good as I was before. Um, and I was always going to have to nurse that knee all day long, just so I can go to practice and play games. And eventually I wanted to be a, a you know, I wanted to get into coaching, but, you know, I could do it for five, six more years and be like 30, 31 years old and then start you know, as, as an intern, as a GA, because that's kind of like the proper process of becoming a strength and conditioning coach, becoming a coach, or I could have done this at the age of 25. And so while I was overseas and kind of going through my thought process, and, and I was always very close with every coach that I played for, um, I was talking to some of my coaches and one of the coaches actually was the coach that recruited me, Ken McDonald. Um, is the same guy that recruited me from Bulgaria to come play for Western Kentucky. He was an assistant at the University of Texas at the time. And he said, well, you know what? Like, 
after the season, just come down to Texas and we have the best strength and conditioning coach in the country. And you can kind of start learning from them and, you know, get in the business that way. And I was like, cool, I'm going to do that. So like, as soon as the season was over in Holland, I packed, I packed my bags and I went straight to Texas. And I went to Austin, Texas, and I'm uh, and I met Todd Wright, <laughs> and he truly, you know, we talk about a great guy and a great human being and a great leader and just a person who just knows a lot and um, and and it was just an amazing, amazing experience for two years just to learn under him. Um, so basically, I get to Texas and 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 I meet Todd Wright and. You know, I, I interned for him for two years and, and every single day was an opportunity for me to learn and everything that he showed me and everything that he did um, basically answered all my questions that I had about human movement and, and how the body is designed and how we move and basketball biomechanics. And, and so it was just a perfect time for me to learn right at the time where I was like willing to really accept everything and learn. Uh, it was just the perfect lineup for me to go to Texas and just be on the Todd for two years. Um, it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, like you said, it's, I always get the same things from or hearing about Todd, right? Like amazing coach, but it, you know, even better you know, human being. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so for me, it's just like, learning about AFS, which we'll get into a little bit, you know, like mm -hmm. I think from a, from a training component, I think that was, he was one of the first practitioners to kind of introduce AFS into the training space. I could be wrong, uh, but that's kind of what, what I've been hearing. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I got introduced to it basically like, can I talk, talk to you about it? But Cliff, you know, I had no idea what it was. And I think I, yeah, off, off the record, I told you I had randomly, you know, I randomly seen a video of you, I think it was at University of Tulsa, and you were doing, I believe you were doing some matrices. I don't remember exactly specifically what you were doing, um, but I just remember watching, and I'm just looking, I'm like, okay, well, this is, to me, this is like, okay, yes, we're we're not just stuck in one plane of, of movement, right? So a lot of a lot of lifts, in my opinion, are like sadly based, um, but then in basketball and sports in general, like, it's dynamic, right? It's going to be transverse, right. we're going to rotate, we're going to turn, we're going to move laterally, we're going to have a mixture, we're going to move laterally and, and, you know, then go change into the frontal plane. Like it's, it's a lot more dynamic versus kind of like, again, we need those heavy lifts where to, we need to develop some, some overall strength or some tissue. But to me, I always, I don't know if it was like my imagination, but I always kind of like imagine if we're training basketball players, like we should probably be kind of getting a little bit more specifically into certain positions in order to actually to dynamically develop the tissues to handle the stresses we're going to see on the court. Um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't verbalize at the time. I was just like, it makes sense to me. And I saw the video that you were doing <laughs> and um, eventually I had a conversation with Cliff and he's the one that got me into AFS. So I wanted to, you know, talk to you about, you know, what kind of, you know, pushed you to get into the applied functional science uh, you know, being a practitioner, uh, was it through Todd or maybe kind of on your own? And personally, why do you feel like, you know, you personally utilize it as a training tool, you know, to work with the athletes that you work with and, you know, just some of the benefits you see that you've gotten out of it. 
Oh yeah. I mean, when you look at my story of, of, you know, that I, we were talking about earlier, um, I, uh, I had an extensive background in weightlifting. I mean, I was, I was very, very strong. I got the Bulgarian hips, the way, you yeah. know, the way my, my femur sits on my acetabulum. I got, I got a very, very mobile hip so I can squat deep. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I've been doing it for so long that I was really, really strong um, in terms of weight room numbers and in terms of uh, um, just how much I can squat and how much I can hang clean and do all that stuff. Um, so I had an ex- extensive background in just weightlifting, which, you know, obviously, you know, got me to be very athletic. Um, and while I was very athletic and very strong, I also felt like in certain positions on the basketball court, I wasn't very successful at, and I would either, uh, try to avoid those positions or I would, uh, brace myself and say, I don't know, yeah, I'm going to get there. Are we going to come back out of it? I don't know, but we're getting there. Good luck. <laughs> and yeah, and I knew it. And so, um, and obviously I had a, a major injury. Um, and so I was still in this learning. Uh, I, I was on this big learning curve of like, just, just, I was so hungry for knowledge and thirsty for knowledge. And at the time, like when I was, when I was becoming a strength and conditioning coach, um, we didn't have any, um, information around, like there was no YouTube. YouTube was kind of just starting. Uh, the, the guys that introduced me to YouTube was like Kevin Durant and, and, you know, all these guys from Texas in the actual Texas locker room, they were looking at some of the computers and they were like, I was like, what is this? They were like, this is YouTube coach. (laughs) (laughs) So like, so there were no platforms through which you could, you could kind of learn stuff, you know? And, and, and so, uh, once I got to Texas and I started having conversations with Todd, I mean, the first thing that Todd did is he screened me. He just walked me through a base, you know, basic gait analysis and some movement analysis and, and, you know, identified some issues that I really had and that grabbed my attention right away. And I said, you know what? I want to learn about that. (laughs) (laughs) How did you do that? How did you know this? You know? And so we started talking and, and, um, you know, he kind of introduced me to applied functional science and what he had learned from Gary Gray. And um, so the, I, I was in this phase of just, uh, just, just, I had so much thirst for just learning and wanting to know how everything worked in the body and how the body was designed and how we function as human beings. And then, you know, I knew the game of basketball and how the game of basketball is a multi-directional sport and how our bodies are designed to move and, and, and how it's, it, it, it almost like the, you know, the body's designed to move in 3d and the game of basketball is in 3d. So it only makes sense for us to train in 3d. You know what I mean? And, um, I was learning all these things and, um, uh, basically answered a lot of my questions. And so I got into uh, applied functional science and I was actually, um, that was my, that, that, that when I first started strength and conditioning, I, I right off the bat, I started designing my strength and conditioning programs uh, based on applied functional science principles, you know, even, pro, even before I even went through uh, um, the, the long internship the, the long uh, um, mentorship 
which is gift through the Gray Institute. So um, everything that I had done I me mean, my first five, six years of coaching has been all through uh, uh, applied functional science uh, until I uh, gathered some funds to, to be able to take the course. And then, um, you know, uh, but my story, you know, I met Gary even before, I met Gary Gray even before I took a, a gift. I, uh, what I did is um, once we left the University of Miami uh, and we went to Missouri, uh, the first week on a job, like I had a kid that tore his ACL, um, mm-hmm. kind of like the same way I did. And um, prior to me, you know, seeing him, I, I uh, you know, I kind of knew that there was something funky with his feet. You know, he had these super high arches that uh, would never collapse uh, more so on the, on the uh, left versus the right. And I, I couldn't understand why I knew it was there, but I couldn't understand why. Um, he had really lax knees. Um, he was, he had, he had a previous MCL tear on that same knee. And, uh, as I was examining him, I was seeing all these things. And then, um, you know, a a week into it, like he, he, the kid tears his ACL and, uh, we had to play without him, but, 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 um, through that experience, I got to uh, uh, take Lawrence Bowers, who was the player. I got to take him to uh, um, Adrian, Michigan to meet Gary Gray. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to set up a meeting with Gary. I chased him down. It took me a while. I chased him down. I, I reserved the day uh, to go to Michigan. I, I, I got the University of Missouri to pay for two tickets. Uh, uh, one for me and one for Lawrence. And we flew out there and uh, we spent the day with Gary Gray and Gary screened Lawrence. And, and, and we went through the whole process of, you know, what we would do and to help him out. And, and I just, I was amazed at, you know, some of the things that we were doing. And so I said, I, I've got to, I've got to uh, take gift and I've got to learn and get better. And that's what got me into a, a gift. But I even, even before I even took, uh, the long mentorship, which is gift. I, I was, I was developing basketball programs based on, um, applied functional science, which I learned from Todd. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you kind of mentioned it too. It, it's, you know, learning from Todd and it's amazing. You actually met Gary Gray. One, the fact that you got him to a meeting and, you know, gotten, you were able to, you know, basically get him to, help with an assessment you know with the player uh to me that, that just shows like we talked about off air but just the commitment you know as coaches and as people but you know I think like you said being able to essentially go to the source you know it's almost like if you're learning something you, you go to you know where it's essentially developed or you know one of the godfathers of them and so having Todd and Gary Gray to me like that's that's incredible um yeah and so like once you got like you kind of mentioned it too I feel the same way to me, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's kind of influenced a lot of my training. My first mentor was actually a physical therapist. So it was interesting because, you know, I think a lot of the time, I can't say every time, I don't want to speak for every coach in their philosophy, but here in the States, um, at least like, you know, some of the football programs like Florida, we talked about, you know, it's a lot of Olympic lifts, um, a lot of chasing the weight room numbers, which is good. You know, I think it's fine time and place. Uh, but essentially for me, I was just like, well, stronger doesn't mean better. You know, I feel like, I don't know where I heard this, um, 
this quote, but it's like, we're basically creating toy soldiers in the weight room. Uh, so it's like, you know, you have like the action figure, they can move their arms, but you know, you know, flexion, extension, the shoulders, and then same thing with the leg. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's it. Like it's no like rotating at the, at the hip. There's no rotating at the shoulders. It's just like little action figures and you got the elbows, flexion and extension at the knees. And it's just like, yeah. that's kind of how I, when I was training, you know, I didn't really have that much exposure to different philosophies. That's, that's how I felt. I was like, I was really good at, you know, very specific movements that didn't really feel like uh, they translated to the court. Now, I think developing overall strength and tissue development, I think it's needed, it's necessary um, to an extent to build the base. And then from that point on, once I actually learned about AFS and loaded movement, to me, I was like, it's same thing you say, it makes sense. If we're playing in 3D, if I got to close out a defender and they attack and all of a sudden now I'm trying to, to recover and get back in front of this defender and then I get the rebound and I'm turning and sprinting and going on a fast break, you know, that's, we're moving in every single direction possible, every plane, you know, and it's, it's a mixture of the plane. So to me, it's just like, there's only so much that a trap bar deadlift can prepare you for that, you know? So <laughs> talking about, yeah. uh, you know, kind of like your assessments, and obviously, I want you, you know, share as much as you can. I want to make sure I don't, you know, have you spill into secrets or anything like that. But, you know, I also saw that you were 3D maps, you know, which is part of the, um, not the whole thing, but part yeah. of applied functional science. So essentially, when you, let's say you do get a new athlete, let's say like it can be, you know, NBA or whatever the case is, and you're taking them through that assessment, you know, what are you looking at while going through the 3D maps as an assessment tool? Um, and what are you kind of prioritizing to make sure you're looking at uh, maybe potential red flags or some things you could potentially, you know, look to improve as opportunities in the weight room and training environment? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I took 3D maps um, way after gift. And uh, so I had been really introduced to the whole concept of, uh, you know, the, the, the physical sciences and, and the biological sciences and the behavioral sciences. So um, by the time I took 3D maps, I was very versed in this, um, in, in applied functional science. But um, in terms of uh, evaluation and analysis, like I always eval my guys. Um, even when they walk through the door, they don't know it because I think that's the best. And this is what I've learned from Gary. Uh, that's the best time to actually eval somebody's when they don't know it. You just watch them move naturally. You know, uh, one of the first things is when I took Lawrence to, um, to Gary and Adrian, Michigan, uh, we were leaving his car and on purpose, Gary slowed down in the back. And I was following Gary just because I didn't know where he was going, but I slowed down with him. Um, he, he allowed Lawrence to walk in front of him just so he can watch him walk without any, um, without any cues at all. He just wanted to watch him move. So I always evaluate players, um, and the best time to do it is when they don't know it. Um, mm. uh, however, because when they know that they're getting watched, they, they walk differently. They, they do everything that they yeah. think they should be That's doing, right, you know? Um, but in terms of like analysis, like uh, I have a thing that I've kind of gathered over the years uh, with the help of everybody that I've coached with. And Todd is obviously a huge influence to me. And, 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 but, you know, every stop that I've been to, I've kind of gathered some information 
um, but there is there is a, a, a protocol you know by which I go by. There's a little bit of a gate analysis that I kind of tweak in three planes of motion, um, and there's some fundamental movement patterns that we have to go through in terms of like lunging, squatting, um, pivoting, you know, single leg balance uh, um, and stuff like that, reaching and swinging. So I go through all that stuff and I kind of three-dimensionalize it. Um, and just uh, what I look for is um, where the, the body doesn't load right, you know, and there's, there's, there's not one thing that I focus on right away. I just watch people move and, and slowly you identify it. When you start tweaking um, the gait in three planes of motion, you start seeing things and you don't always see the same thing with everybody. So that's why there's no uh, specific uh, places where you look for. But um, what I found is that, with, you know, with basketball players, um, obviously the most common injury is like the ankle sprain. Uh, which is uh, basically inversion of the, um, you know, calcaneus in the ankle. And so, um, you know, everybody that plays basketball has twisted their ankle before. Um, some players a lot more than others. But what, what happens is a lot of the times, you know, if you do it in high school, you may not go through a proper rehab. And if you do it, you know, even through college, sometimes you may not go through a proper rehab. And so what happens is um, people um, come in with a little bit of dysfunction in the, in the feet, you know. And so we, we know that the foot is the first part of the body that touches the ground. And so if there's a dysfunction in the foot, it's obviously going to trickle up the chain. And it's going to lead up to the knee, the hip, the back, and all the way up the spine. And so... As I'm walking people, as, as I'm watching people walk and, and perform exercises, I'm, I'm seeing things and then I tweak every single movement in three planes of motion. And what I'm looking at is where they're successful, you know, and where they're not so successful. I think it's so important to always start with success um, and then slowly taking the success out of it to see where they're not so successful, you know, and to where they struggle a little bit. And when they start struggling a little bit is that's where I see the dysfunction, you know, and it's different for everybody, but, um, you know, usually feet are pretty, uh, pretty jacked up and with, with, you know, basketball players in general, I've done this for 17 years now. And, um, you know, that's what we all know it. There's no secret that the ankle ankle sprain is the number one injury in basketball. And, Everybody that's played basketball for a while has done it. And so, um, but to answer your question, I'm looking at everything and I start with success and I take the success, the success out of it, you know, little by little and just to see where they are not so successful. And that's when I see the dysfunction, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's basically my screen. And that that's just the movement screen. But, you know, um, I've, I've learned to... Um, you know, we do all kinds of assessments, you know, in terms we you can talk about the force plate technology nowadays. It's, it's great because you can see, you can immediately see some dysfunction and some, uh, some asymmetry issues between right and left. Um, just, just uh, watching uh, guys perform some jumps on the force plates, you know, 
you can see the power output right versus left and you know how they decelerate and so um that's another part of it as well and you know there's there's a lot of other things that uh go into evaluating players but the movement analysis to me is very important as well you know mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and there's definitely um you know just touching on uh talking to that conversation i had with with maggie um over with the with the clippers um i talked to her about some assessments i mean it's in depth and i'm i know for a fact you know same thing with you um and with the magic like you guys are gonna have a very very in-depth uh you know uh, analysis of a player because uh, essentially like you said like there's so many things that go into um just screening an athlete right um and then even kind of like you touched on it too uh very subtly um you know it's the foot like you said it's the first thing that comes into contact and i think I, I can't remember exactly who said it first. I think it was Todd. Maybe it was Gary. Um, but when the foot hits the ground, everything changes, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, like, for me, it's just, like, even little things like that and um, me learning more or diving more into the big toe, right? And it's just, like, I had never – it's something I would never consider. You know, when I first got started, I'm just, like, all right, yeah, we're going to, you know, uh, squat, deadlift, blah, 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 and all these compound lifts, which, yeah, essentially, yes, we need that. Um, but there are, like you said, the intricacies of, of it, too, like very little, like, you know, how uh, someone walks, you know, like gait analysis. And um, I think it's becoming more, yeah, and it's more popular. Um, but like you said, back then, like when you were at Texas, I mean, there was it wasn't as popular. Like there was barely YouTube. <laughs> so kind of like, you know, disseminating this information is, you know, nowadays is more maybe more available. Um, but one thing I did want to talk to you about as well, just kind of like through the, the AFS lens um is the like, same thing like you kind of touched on right like the successes of the athlete but kind of like maybe the um opportunities for improvement uh so specifically with basketball i know like you touched you touched on just like the ankle right like and uh gait and foot patterns and things like that um but maybe like you know some of the in your experience some of the movement patterns that you saw most basketball players with even like a low training age you know have where do you see like you had the most work with basketball players that have a low training age and fixing like poor movement patterns? Was it like kind of like the pivot? Um, was it kind of more so just uh, specific like jumps, things like that? Like what did, what did you see commonly when you get a basketball player with a low training age, have a, some opportunities for improvement in the, the AFS kind of movement analysis? Yeah, you know, I think I think as and I've done this for 17 years now, and mm -hmm. uh, I think at uh, in my later years, I think we're seeing more and more kids um, um, having some posture. Um, I don't want to call it issues. It's not issues. It's not problems. But I think postures are changing, and I think it's all become it's all coming from um, screen time. Um, mm. I can even take in consideration my own kids. We limit the screen time at home, but there is screen time, and there's a lot of screen time because a lot of the homework is done on screens, and then they they have their phone devices with them, and they're always on them, and so like. Some of the stuff that I've started noticing uh, lately in in, in just uh, in in youth period um, is that we're we're having some posture uh, issues that that I don't remember seeing before. Um, 
but in terms of like um to answer your question where i see you know younger people with uh you know low training age what they struggle with the most or um is is just i think i think it's just building strength um it's building strength and and um you know kids play a lot um especially if they're playing in au they play all summer long they don't get to really train much and um but then when we say train then i would say train for what you know um <laughs> yeah it's really important to know what you train for like you know the the normal training is like you said very sagittal plane based and and i think strength and conditioning has evolved in a way um in a very different way and i think it could you know we somehow could have done a better job over the years but um it's 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 evolved in a way you know better bigger bigger better faster you know is is everybody's going for that but i really think when we start talking about training we have to say training for what like what is the objective and then and then you answer it so like if i'm training for the game of basketball like we have to say what is the game of basketball like and then you go through and you say okay well it's a it's a quick burst of energy game with quick recovery so we got to train the energy system to be able to do that and then we're talking about it's a very multi-directional game so you have to be able to uh, accelerate, decelerate, and change direction. Um, it's not a game where you have to run uh, in a straight line for a long time. There's always a curvy linear running somewhere. There's always a um, some kind of route that you're running. So there's never any place where um, you know you 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 have to accelerate for like sixty meters or hundred meters or anything like that. So then you have to really like ask yourself, what am I training for? And put some of those thoughts down. What is the game like? And then, and then train those qualities because I think that's what really matters. I think we're trying to fit in, I think in strength and conditioning, the way, the way strength and conditioning, the profession as a whole has evolved is uh, we're trying to fit every athlete into this one box of like, screens and one box of training methodology and one box of uh just basically we're trying to get everybody to fit in the same the same category and it's not you know with basketball players you you obviously get taller bass taller lankier kids with long bones and longer structures and uh, that's one you know structure drives a lot of things structure drives function obviously um and so, and then, you know, you look at the game and see what the game is like and, and put some thoughts down into it and, and, and whatever you come up with, train those qualities, you know, um, because force is important. You have to be able to develop force, but how you apply that force into the ground is also very important because again, I've, I've come into contact with a lot of guys that are great in the weight room and they develop a lot of force but they don't have the coordinative skills to be able to apply that force into the ground um, at the right time and with the right angles. And, you know, they're not very successful. And so some of the greatest players, and I've, I've, been, I've been around, I've been very fortunate to be around some really, really good players. 
um, some of the greatest players that I've ever coached, they're, they're unbelievable movers, you know? Um, they're not necessarily um, the best at performing the general exercises that we in the strength and conditioning community uh, refer to as like the best ones. But some of those guys that I've ever coached, the best players that I've ever coached, they're, um, they're great movers. And so then you have to consider like, well, what's, 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 what makes my player become a better basketball player? Is it this exercise or is it that exercise? And then once you figure out what that exercise is, then you go with it. So I don't, I forget what the question was. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I got into this thing. And so, so th those are my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Um, now you, you already answered the question. I think you, you even gave, gave more, I think. Just kind of like you touched on, honestly, those, I mean, that was amazing nuggets. I hope everyone listening was able to write that down, at least pause it, go back. But you even touched on just like how you apply that force, right? The angles, the speed, um, you know, and the, you know, like you said, it's just the amount as well as, you know, it's traditionally, I think, like you said, strength and conditioning, it's evolving, but typically kind of, you know, what we've seen was like, hey, these are, you know, quote unquote, the best lifts for, you know, overall athletic development, right? But like you said, it's, that's not always the case. You know, we have, I don't, I don't know who said, I, I've been hearing a lot more, but I've seen it, at least for me, it's like you said, the best movers, you know, the best overall just athletes, um, those are the ones that were like on the court and doing some crazy things, right? But then it's like, when we go in the weight room, at least when I was younger, and it's not for every basketball player or every athlete, but you know, we were trying to fit them in this box, right? Like, hey, like we got to get great at this lift and, or these lifts. And it's like, they're again, great numbers, but then get on the court and like I said, toy soldier, you know? So it's almost kind of like, you know, every athlete is going to be different, especially basketball. You might have a, a forward seven feet and you might have a point guard that's six one, you know? And it's just like, they're all, there's going to be a lot of variety. There's going to be a lot of, like you said, differences in structure and things like that. So being able to, put each individual specifically individually in a place to be successful to me like that's 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 what I want right I think that's what we we're all yeah. for and um you know I, I love the I just love that game you just gave so I don't want you to feel like you rambled I, I loved it I was sitting here just like some good stuff man <laughs> I appreciate it well I would challenge I would challenge young coaches and I know it's hard because sometimes if you're at the college level um you may train multiple sports and you don't have the time, but I think if you really want to be successful, I would challenge young coaches to learn about the sport, watch video, watch tape, see what the guys do on the court, you know? So you know what the, the, those qualities are, what are the qualities that you have to train, you know? Um, somebody squatting 700 on the trap bar um, is great, you know? Um, but are they able to like come out of that stance? We all know that the squat is the, um, foundation of all athletic movements. You have to be in a certain stance to be able to move. Um, we all know that, but like, can they move out of that stance? That's the question. And so, um, you know, I would challenge every young, you know, strength and conditioning coach as much as they can to go out and learn about their sport and and see what those qualities of the sports are and then train for those qualities because um 
players, they 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 do weightlifting to become better players. They don't mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want to become better weightlifters. You know, there's a sport of weightlifting, and if somebody goes to college to play basketball, they're not they're not going to college to be weightlifters. They're gonna do they're gonna go through the weight room with the purpose of becoming better basketball players. But what does that mean? And you know that means different things for everybody. You know that they, that comes through the weight room. Um, but um, and as a as a strength and conditioning coach, you have to figure out what that means to you. What are the qualities that you want to train? But I think we should get away from trying to fit every kid in the same box and and tell them that like if they get better at this, they're gonna become better players because it's not necessarily true. It's true to a certain extent because. If you get a kid that's really weak and you get them stronger, they're going to become better. Usually the kids that start first start training, they become better fast just because they get general strength. But once they get that general strength in, how do they become better after that? And that's the question. Yeah, it's always like, you know, I think that's what I always respected too, you know, about the uh, working at with a high level athlete, you know, or at least athletes who are, have a higher training age and, you know, more, more training experience because you're making the best better. Right. And like, that's where it's like, you know, that's where it's really hard. Because like you said, if you get, if I get an untrained basketball player, like we're going to make some quick gains just because it's like, you've never, you can look at a dumbbell and get some, get some gains. Um, but yeah, like you said, when it comes to working with some of the pros and things like that, like now we're working with elite athleticism, athletic development. And now we're just trying to get, a tenth percent of a better uh, you know of an improvement um there was that story of kobe where he was like and every kobe story i hear no matter how crazy it is honestly rest in peace i believe it because <laughs> i'm just like this dude he was different <laughs> oh but yeah when he was talking about he was he's creating his shoe i forget which kobe it was it was when he started going more low top i think he shaved off like i don't even know it was like like a minimal amount like three centimeters or something like that off the heel or somewhere because it made him like a tenth of a second faster. And to me, like at, at the time I was young when I heard it, I was like, that's insane. But it's like, that's that's the edge. That's the that's the competitive edge that we're looking for. And it's the same to me. I, I look the same way at like in performance where we're with elite athletes. It's like, how do we get a tenth uh, of a second faster or quicker? Right. Well, it, it all accumulates, right? Um just is the same thing that I tell players that need to lose weight. Like if it's, if it's five pounds, you know, think about how many jumps you make during practice. Think about how many times you go up and down the court and think about how many steps you take. You know, we know that on average, I've been to so many teams. I mean, on average guys, you know, range anywhere from like two and a half to three to four miles, you know, that they accumulate during practice and during games. And so think about all the steps that you take. If you're five pounds heavier, if you're 10 pounds heavier, and God knows if you're 20 pounds heavier, think about how much stress you put on your body and the accumulation of that stuff anytime you take a step. And so to your point, if Kobe was like uh, 10%, you know, 1% better at something, at some particular move, anytime he takes a step, you know, the accumulation over time, it's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really important. Yeah, and you kind of actually mentioned it, which why, funny enough, I wanted to segue with it, but you kind of talked about having coaches 
watch the game and understand it. So I had Adam on here. Uh, shout out to Adam. Uh, Pet Wagle was in the episode, but he talked about how, I believe it was you and Todd, uh, he was actually kind of not blown away, but he was just like, oh, these guys watch film, right? And he talked about how like you guys were extensively studying kind of like biomechanics. And I know Adam had like a big hand in like kind of like, you know, working with the, the basketball biomechanics and everything. But, you know, he mm-hmm. talked about how you and Todd and essentially him began to start watching more and more film. So I kind of want to talk to you about, you know, maybe where you felt like, you know, you were able to kind of pull some of the information from whenever you were watching film, maybe like, were you watching that gate analysis or, you know, that locomotion, you know, and maybe some of the things that you were able to take from watching film and implement that into the training environment in order to, you know, create those opportunities for improvement. Yeah. Yeah. No, first of all, Adam is an amazing human being. He, uh, he and I spent some time in Philly together. Um, it was our biomechanist and, um, um, he's just, uh, he's just, he's got an amazing knowledge of just biomechanics and, and, and all of his work with the sprinters that he's done. But, um, you know, there's always, there's always the question of, you know, what's, um, you know, there's always the question of how do we, um, train guys and is is everything that we're doing does it translate to the court you know are all of our screens and all of our tests um telling us um things that that actually make can make a difference you know and so like it's the analogy of you know are we testing things that don't matter or are we testing things that do matter in terms of you know, when we're in the weight room, you know, what we're measuring is it, does it, does it translate to the court? So we, we, we always, Adam and I always use this analogy, um, which he brought up is, it was pretty cool. Um, the wild tiger that's in the Savannah out there. And when you watch the wild tiger and how it moves to catch the prey, does it look like the same thing that we see in the zoo, you know, we, we may study the tigers in the zoo, uh, that we keep in, 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 in small little, um, cells with bars on them. And we study those, but do we really know what they do in the wild? And so we view the sport as it being in the wild out there, you know, how, how do we measure what's being done on the court? Um, and what we measure in the weight room, does, is it the same thing that happens on the court? And we kind of view the stuff that we measure sometimes in the weight room, um, just like the tiger in the zoo. You know, we measure things in the weight room that we think is good, but does it really translate to the court and what the guys are actually doing out there in the wild? And so I think, you know, to me, I've always, number one, enjoyed watching the game. Uh, because I played it and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true fan of the game of basketball. But I watch it not with the nexus and O's purposes like a basketball coach. I'm, I mostly watch it for movement. I love, I love to watch the way guys move. And so um, I think the best way to, you know, you can't measure. It's all subjective. But you see, you know, uh, the way guys move and you can kind of 
see some dysfunctions in certain things and you can see, you know, certain aspects in which the guys can get better just through watching film. And so that's always been a part of uh, my number one, my evolution as a strength and conditioning coach, but it's also been a strategy for me to get better and to find, to identify certain things that are happening on the court that we can't really see when they're doing uh, in the weight room, you know, um, in the weight room, I use our warm up a lot of times for uh, basically a mini screen, you know, I see how guys are moving. Once I pull, put them through some loaded movement, I always pick some fundamental movement patterns, which are like squats and, and some lunges. Um, and I watch movement and guys move differently every day based on how they are affected the day before, uh, whether they fell down on their hip or not, whether they're a little bit tight on one side versus the other or not. And you can see, you can see certain things, but, and yet again, you see those things in slow motion, but on the court, things are happening at high velocities. And so I think watching film um, and just learning um, how to identify things by watching film really has helped me as a, as a strength and conditioning coach. Because guys do a lot of things on the court that they don't necessarily do in the weight room. Yeah. And that's, I like, I love that analogy, right? Like you said, uh, just a tiger in the wild is going to be different than potentially a tiger in, in captivity, right? And, you know, kind of yeah. look at the game, just, you know, what do they look like, you know, quote unquote, in the wild and expressing, you know, basically just their athleticism to the fullest extent. And, right. you know, looking at, okay, cool. How can we, to the best of our abilities, can we capture that and get those qualities uh, that we can actually improve on in the actual training environment? So, no, I love that. I mean, I... I've always had this, uh, I don't know if it's an opinion, but for me, I was just like, well, I play basketball, so I, I just enjoy watching basketball. But at the same time, you know, I'm looking at, okay, cool. Like, how is this person, you know, for instance, we'll say like J.R. Smith, right? Like, I think when I watch him, you know, I'm looking at like, you know, as a shooter, right? Like, he actually does create off the dribble a little bit more than other, uh, I guess, spot-up shooters, but a lot of that is the, the step back where he's snatching back and going between the legs. But for me, I'm just looking at, okay, like he likes to, especially out the right side, I believe he'll decelerate out the right side more than the left. Right. And maybe in the training, in the training environment, because he's going so much off the right, maybe we might apply a little bit more volume to the left in order to make sure that he's staying balanced or things like that. But it's just like, for me, I've always had that kind of like that, that thought process that if I'm going to, be trained athletes, I at least want to watch their film and see what they're doing to see maybe what they're getting more of and maybe what they need more of uh, in the training environment or just, like you said, capturing, you know, just opportunities where I can create something that's going, you know, translate to the court. So now when Adam said that, I was like, yeah, I definitely need to add, ask Todor this because <laughs> I know I always did it. I want to make sure, you know, just pick your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I think, and I think as we evolve in the strength, in the performance community, um, I do think we need to look for and try to find ways to measure uh, performance um, on the field and on the court during games. Um, you know, we're doing it in the NBA with second spectrum, and which is data driven and which, you know, accounts for 
you know, a distance covered and accelerations and decelerations. And it gives us a really good picture in terms of numbers of what players are doing in terms of like uh, how much they're doing and what the overall load is. But um, we need to continue focusing and working on, on ideas and creative ideas on how to measure, um, you know, performance on the court and on the field in terms of movement because we can always capture data that says you know how much we move and how fast we move but like the movement qualities like is somebody decelerating um comfortably on their right leg and not so much on the left leg like what movement pattern are they not going through and what may be causing that movement patterns because the best way to because it's all about affecting change right and so like um uh if you really identify something that's out there on the floor that you don't really see in the weight room then you will be able to like affect change you, you immediately you can alter something in the weight room to provide that change um um and so that's why i think it's so important it's really helped me out as a coach it's helped me out learn the game it's helped me out learn the players and um see where they're successful and where they're not so successful and and those are things that uh i think everybody can do um it's just uh it's a little more work mm -hmm. uh, but uh everybody can do that it's not it's not that it's not that hard and and you know i've heard a lot of people say well i don't know about basketball well i mean that's how you learn you know you're going to identify one or two things the first time you watch it and then you know, a year in, you're going to start identifying 10, 20 things and 10 years in, you're going to know a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah. You know, nobody knows it all, but uh, none of us know it all, but we're, I, you know, it, it's all about identifying something that you don't think is right and making change. It's all about how do I affect, how do I make, how do I, you know, better guys? And that's what it is. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, it's a accumulation, right? It's over time. It's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> no. it takes, it takes years of that. Uh, appreciate you, man. Last last couple questions, because um, I think you've given a lot of a lot a lot of uh, amazing game, free game. Um, but last couple, so that we can get you out of here, uh, if you could, and well, you've been in the game a little bit longer, so I'll I'll make it a little bit a little bit more of a, a range, but. If you can go back 10 years and give yourself advice, what would it be and why? Oh, man, I, uh, <laughs> oh, there's so many things I could have done better. Um, you know, I, you know, everything changes, man. Like what, what, what I've known 10 years ago, um, some things are the same. Some things have changed. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's all about getting better. And so, um, uh, what I would have changed is probably I would have made myself read more. Um, just, just reading, reading, you know, I, uh, I had a, I, I used to, um, I used to not be a reader at all. Uh, and then, you know, once I got into strength and conditioning, I started, you know, reading research articles and, and all that stuff and just in, in strength and conditioning books to kind of learn about what I'm doing. Cause that was really interesting to me. But then I had, a um, the one time I had dinner with 
coach Jim O'Brien. He was uh, he was one of the assistants at uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. And he had been a head coach in NBA before. And um, so he's an, he's an amazing human being, really wise guy, older guy that just knows a lot. And I always loved spending time with him. And we were talking, and at the time I was an assistant strength and conditioning coach. And uh, we were talking about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a, a head strength and conditioning coach. And then I wanted to be, after that, I wanted to be a performance director and, and all that stuff. That was kind of like, my goal and he said well well what do you read and i said oh yeah i read you know research articles and it was like nah man that's bullshit what he said he <laughs> said what do you mean he say he say you want to you you want to be a leader right you want to be in, in in leadership so he said leaders read what do you read and i was like well I mean, I don't, I don't read many books. If that's what you mean, it was like you got to read books, man. You got to read like leadership books. You got to read. You got to educate yourself all around. And so, that, that kind of sunk in with me a little bit. And and I was actually at the age where like I was kind of getting interested in reading a little bit more. So then I started like the last six, seven, five, six years. I started kind of like really reading. But I wish I would have started. I wish I would have started that a long time ago because I really enjoy it. And I'm actually learning a whole lot from a whole lot of angles, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I would have probably started reading more and, uh, but I would have done so many other things differently, you know? Um, you know, I, I evolve every day. I learn every day. And so what I'm doing now, if I'm doing the same thing, you know, five years from now, shoot me, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's not, <laughs> As as we as we learn and be, get better every day, we we change our approaches and 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 so um, nothing's really the same. So yeah, 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 absolutely. I think um, same thing, right? Like you know, I think all of us to an you know to an extent at least, you know, if we're looking back, we're always kind of like we're kind of cringe at what we used to do. But I think that's like that's because of growth, right? And I always think that's a that's a positive. You know, same thing as like a strength and conditioning coach, but even maybe like, like you said, from a leadership standpoint, head basketball coaches, sport coaches, we look back and we're like, oh yeah, I don't do the same thing for whatever reason. That's just his growth, right? And I think, just like you said, that was a good nugget for anyone that is coming up because I think it's so easy to kind of get, you know, really in the weeds with the, with the the technical aspects, the tactical aspects, but you know, there's the soft skills, right? Like how you communicate, you know you know, how often and, and things like that. And, you know, what is leadership? What does that look like? And, you know, it, it's like you said, it's if you want to be in a position where others are following you, you know, what does that look like in terms of your education? It's the same thing with me, right? Like if one day I'm going to have people that are, you know, looking to me for answers, you know, how am I going to lead them? So, nah, Toto, I really appreciate that, man. And, and I appreciate you for jumping on the podcast again. Uh, last question is if people want to reach out to you, you know, where can people find you, uh, you know, share whatever it is that you want to share. But if people want to reach out to Todor, like, how can they find you? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, you you reached out to me on, on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I have a Instagram account. I don't post a lot. I just, uh, you know, I follow people and I'm, I'm learning things here and there but uh, i'm not a big social media guy 
Um, but you know, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or you can reach out to me on, um, you know, Instagram. Sometimes people reach out with direct messages and stuff like that. Um, people will reach out to me through email, you know, they'd find my email through, uh, um, the Orlando magic. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really not out there, you know, we, I, and this another day, I wish I would have been a little bit more out there, but it's not, it's kind of not my personality. I, I would post every now and then, but, uh, uh, I'm not on it all the time. So, uh, I would say Instagram, LinkedIn, probably be the best way to catch me. Got you. And I'll, I'll link those two in the show notes that way. Anyone that's listening on their phone, um, you can easily just click on his LinkedIn or, or IG. Um, but yeah, I think for me also, if you really want to get in touch with somebody, like you'll find a way, you know, I was like, yo, man, I really want to get in touch with them. So yeah, I did follow you or, you know, add you on LinkedIn and, um, I was like, cool, let me just send a message. If not, I'm gonna just follow up or find a, an email or something. But um, not annoyingly persistent, but it was just more so I knew from the AFS background, I was like, look, I really wanna get in touch with him. Um, so hopefully I can find a way when he's not too busy, but I'll make sure I link those, those two um, links. That way yeah. anyone that's listening in, they can reach out to you. I, I don't wanna really open the floodgates if you once you get busy. So please, like if you're reaching out, you know, please introduce yourself where you're from. Um, you know, the courtesy, don't just reach out and say, Hey, what's up? You know, just make sure that, uh, you know, you're given the, the same type of respect that you will give anyone. So, uh, Todor again, man, I appreciate you for jumping on, letting me ask you a million and one questions for the last hour. I think all the insight and information that you gave to me outside of just like the technical and tactical part of it, but just also just kind of like the soft things and just, you know, just, the person that you are i really appreciate having you on man yeah no this has been fun I, I had a great time and thank you for having me on uh this has been great great time thank you for listening to the basketball and barbells podcast i really hope you all got major value from today's episode please leave a rating and review of the show and don't forget to tune into the next episode